Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living Wakeful. I'm your lovely host and fearless leader, Aja. And today I want to pose you a question. And it's not the question. The question is important, but this is an important question, too. Uh, The question would be, who is it that's listening? Who is it that hears this? What is it that perceives my voice? And is there more than one of it? But we'll get there. We'll get to those very absolute perspectives. I definitely do want to cover those. But for right now, I do want to ask a different question and one that's also very important, which is to what degree are am I, you, willing to suffer? And we're going to go for a drive and talk about this. And I like doing episodes in the car. It makes me feel like I have friends in the car to talk to. <laughs> just it's just lovely going on the road it's where I do most of my best thinking and it is the 4th of July so you're going to hear some combustions but maybe my engine will overshadow them Um, so to what degree am I you let's just say you willing to suffer and look when you when you have your awakening And if you're listening to this, the likelihood that you're going to wake up at some point during this human experience is very high. And I'm not saying that out as like as like me bragging about how good this this presentation is. It's just if you're this interested in non-duality that you found this obscure podcast and you're listening to it right now, it's because you're ready to have an awakening. Uh, Whether or not that's going to stabilize into lasting clarity is is totally up to you. Right. But anyway. When you have your awakening, notice or, or be mindful of the fact that you are not going to get rid of all your preferences. Awakening has nothing to do with getting rid of your ego or getting rid of your preferences. Uh, I think I put this in another clip called look through your ego to find joy at this moment. And this is the truth. Non-dual awakening does not discount ego at all. What, what will happen is the sensation of ego will diminish but the function of ego is going to keep going to keep happening preferences are important for human physiology if your body doesn't have preferences you're just going to eat anything sleep anywhere sleep with anyone put any substance into your body that body's not going to last very long if it doesn't have preferences so this isn't about getting rid of egoic preferences or anything like that um and, and just to break down really the structure of ego, at least as I see it, following, following my awakening, is ego is a three-component three thing, as far as I can see, thus right now. Ego is your preferences, the actions you take towards those preferences, and the reactions that you have when those preferences aren't being met. And... That last part is the most important bit. And this is the part that gets us stuck in suffering and misery is because of the reactions we have when our preferences aren't being met. And so to have a non-dual awakening isn't to isn't to get rid of the fact that you like, I don't know, that you like a certain type of lifestyle. But what will diminish is your unhappiness as if, if you aren't if you aren't. If your, if your expectations of any circumstance aren't being met, that's what's going to diminish. So 
the function of ego, and, and Adi Ashanti puts this much better than I do, the function of ego is lovely. The function of ego protects the body and, and, and brings forth the greatest gifts of that human being to the table. Is you need an ego to get in front of a crowd and sing, but it's damn it's damn beautiful if a human being can do that. So this idea that we have to get rid of our egos in order to have a non-dual experience or in, or in order to be spiritually awake is just is just more egoic nonsense. The ego thinks I I want to have the non-dual experience, but but first. But first, I need to make some more money. This is an energetic blockage. This is in the last episode I, I made. But first, I got to make more money. Or but first, I have to get rid of my ego. I have to get rid of all of my... I have to cleanse myself of all my selfish desires. That That's not... That's not... That's not accurate. It's not accurate. Uh, so I'll give you a little anecdote today. Uh, with regards to my own ego. So today I had to pick up dog shit. Um, my dog is sick, or or it looks like he's getting a little sick. He threw up in my bedroom, and then he had the good grace and the liberty to he took the liberty to get up and go into the living room to take a shit. So obviously he's got some class and sophistication because he does, he's not going to throw up and shit in the same place. And I'm sort of being facetious right now, and I know it's not he doesn't have any malicious intent behind it. But I was a little bit angry because I wanted to go go for a drive and record a clip, but I had to pick up shit first because I wasn't going to just leave that in the house. Um, and I had a little egoic reaction. It didn't last very long. It didn't stick to this physiology very long because there's no identity in ego anymore. Uh, a non-dual awakening doesn't discount the egoic energy, but the attachment to it as my problem or my my anger problem or my depression or my social anxiety, those things are going to go away. It doesn't mean that anxiety in social situations isn't going to come up. Anger isn't going to come up. Resentment, greed. It's just not it's not clung to as my identity. Is What ego does is it takes the, the most unpleasant parts of your experience and holds them there because it thinks that's who you are. Or because you think that's who you are. You're holding all of your inadequacies, all of your fears, all of your shortcomings right in the right in the center of your psyche and going, This is who I am, and I have I have these problems, and they're my problems. It it it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I'll just leave that at that. Um so so I had a preference. In that situation, I had a preference. I wanted to go out and go for a drive and record another episode of Living Wakeful. And the situation didn't line up with that. The situation was, there's dog shit in my living room. What am I going to do about that? Well, I can go into an egoic reaction. I can get angry. I can yell at my dog. I can do this, that, the other. Or I can just pick up the shit and then go go for a drive. Right? Ego turns everything into a this big reaction, this big drama. But often, the situation can be dealt with without a reaction. And so the degree to which I was willing to suffer for the preference of, I, I want to be driving right now, I want to be recording this episode, and I know I'm going to lose all of the good juice that I have if, I, if my mind gets distracted picking up shit. Um, the, the preference wasn't being met. But my willingness to suffer over that preference was so very little that like literally the egoic reaction was a flash. It was it was an instantane. It was just barely enough for me to catch it and go, oh, I'm, I'm a little annoyed right now. 
And that's beautiful. That's that's self-awareness. And awakening isn't about never being upset or never having a never having an ego moment. That's not what awakening is about. That's what the ego thinks awakening is about. Is I need to be completely free of identification. I'm never going I'm never going to have an angry reaction. That's bullshit. I remember when I was a spiritual seeker and I was trying to get enlightened or be enlightened or show everyone how enlightened I was and that was the biggest ego trip of my life is I didn't take care of my appearance. I didn't share my opinion. I didn't speak my mind. I didn't I didn't um I didn't stand up for myself, quote myself, whatever whatever energy there was of myself. I didn't I didn't defend it when it was being challenged. And that's something only the ego would think I shouldn't I shouldn't defend this opinion or I should whatever happens happens. Awakening is alignment with what's happening. And so if if someone poses a challenge to me, a social challenge of some sort, and the body's reaction is to re, is to respond to that challenge and to and to meet it in kind and to meet it boldly, then that's what's happening in the body. The ego will go, I shouldn't do that because that's not very spiritual. It's not very spiritual of me to to get angry at someone in person. Again, I used I used to be a little bit of a keyboard warrior. I would get in arguments with people online. That's where a, a good deal of my ego still still hid. Was I used to go, oh, your intellectual your intellectual philosophy on religion is is unsophisticated and, and I used to say shit like that just nonsense <laughs> um, and that was my righteousness um, <clears throat> you're not going to get rid of your preferences but the degree to which you're willing to suffer over your preferences is going to diminish greatly and guess what when you are no longer willing to suffer for your preferences, the likelihood that your preferences are going to be met with very little resistance is actually is is exponentially increased, I would say. Exponentially. Is and again, this is this is the best that I can do in this relative human experience is talk about my own experiences um, with re, with regards to dating and relationships and things like that things of that nature just relating to the opposite sex I'm heterosexual for those of you who can't tell um, so if you have, if you have a preference of I I want I want attractive women to notice me or women that I find attractive to notice me if you're having a big ego trip over if I don't get noticed I'm going to have a breakdown or if if this girl rejects me, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. The likelihood that she's going to reject you is very high because you're going to be carrying that energy in your body. You may not say the words, but she, uh, uh, a woman who's in touch with her feminine wiles is very much is very much attuned to the kind of energy that a guy who's approached her is giving off. So if you're giving off a very needy, you better like me. Uh, uh, or I'm I'm really desperate to get you to like me, which is really which is really what uh, guys that I know do is they're they're more interested in getting liked than than being attractive, and those two things are not the same thing. If you want to make friends with a woman, you make friends with a woman. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to be attractive, then you're not then then being exclusively friendly. This doesn't mean that you have to be a jerk, but being exclusively friendly is not attractive. 
It's not it's not attractive in any kind of circumstance, but especially with uh, with a person that you're trying to initiate a relationship with. Uh, but it's not it's not even attractive amongst your own friends and peer groups. Is it a guy who's a sycophant? And that's basically what what happens if you're a sycophant, then it's not attractive. And so if you are very pent up in that preference and you want that and you demand that that preference be met, it's going to show in your behavior and the likelihood that you're going to get what you want is, again, drastically diminished. Um, However, if you go in with very little preference and I notice this now just in the way I relate to people in the way I relate to the opposite sex in particular right now is I don't really need much. I don't need attention or validation or effect or anything like that. And there's a sort of a, there's so much attractiveness in that is I, I'm indifferent, but not, not in a rejecting way, just simply indifferent. I'm more interested in whatever it is that I'm doing at the moment than than the girl in front of me. And that makes her attracted to you. Me, you, whatever. It's all the same one anyway. We can talk about, we can use any pronoun here. That makes you more attractive when you are, when you don't have a, when you don't have a strong need, you aren't leaning so strongly towards, I got to get this person to like me and be attracted to me. If you're just comfortable you don't have a strong preference, the likelihood that the slight preference you have, because if you're sitting down talking to someone, is because you prefer to be talking to them at that moment. Um, the, the likelihood that that slight preference of this person liking you is going to be met is going to be, is going to be greatly increased. Similarly, uh, let's talk about this podcast itself. If I, have a, if I have a strong preference that this podcast must be successful and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people must hear it, it's going to change the world, it's going to stifle the way that I, that I record this podcast. It's just going to. It's, there's going to be a lot of fear in it. There's going to be a lot of contraction in it. But because there's not such a strong preference either way, I just enjoy sharing this kind of, this kind of insight with people. I don't mind if if an episode gets three plays or 10 plays or five plays or what, or the one play that I get automatically by, by recording the episode itself, (laughs) I don't, I don't mind how many uh, physiologies hear it because there's only one presence anyway. So I don't care how many bodies listen to this. Um, I care a little bit. Well, I'm interested, I should say interested, but indifferent. I'm interested in seeing just how well a podcast of this structure can do speaking about the awakened perspective from 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 the point of view of a, a 21 year old male and and some of you will believe that this human being is awake to true nature and some of you will not and again I'm indifferent to that too um, I'm just sharing what seems to be happening in this relative experience um, <clears throat> so to, to what degree are you willing to suffer over the preferences that you have in your own experience, that that is going to determine this, the 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 strength of your ego. Is the function of your ego is great. The function of your ego is I have preferences. I would like them met, and that's how you take care of that body. That's how that body continues in what we call time or what we feel to be time. But we don't need to suffer over trying to get things done. That's only that's only an ego land. Ego thinks you need discomfort as a motivator. No, you don't. There's no, there's no, 
this podcast isn't coming from a place of fear or discomfort or scarcity or lack. It's actually coming from the opposite energies, which is the energy of abundance, which is the energy of I have enough. I'm fulfilled. This is just sharing. This is just sharing that fulfillment in whichever way it comes out. Um, And that means that I don't have a strong preference for it to be heard or liked or validated. There's no need in this. There's just joy. There's just joy in sharing this perspective. So pay attention to your own experience. Notice your own little flare-ups. Little dog shit moments that you have to pick up and you really didn't want to do it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't ever have a reaction because a reaction is, isn't something you're doing. But notice your reactions and, and ask yourself, is it really proportionate to the situation? Because again, it's, 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 it's in the eye of the beholder. Picking up dog shit is no problem. It's not a problem. It's just a situation. It's You have a preference for there not to be dog shit in the house. And there's an activity that needs to... There's a, there's a function that needs to happen with your physiology in order to clean that up. So there's no, there's no problem though. There's no suffering intrinsically in picking up dog shit. The suffering is in is in your unwillingness to pick up the dog shit. So, and, and Rupert, Rupert Spira, Spira, whatever. <laughs> um, he, has a, he has a great video, uh, a meditation called Nothing Can Make You Happy. And the first, the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of it is he's talking about the fact that happiness isn't, isn't caused by any particular circumstance. It isn't caused by a person. It isn't caused by a possession because one minute one uh, a possession or a person can make you happy and the next day can make you extremely unhappy. And if you've ever been in a relationship before, you know what I'm talking about. Um, there can be intense suffering in a relationship from someone that makes you, that has, that has taken you to cloud nine before. And what the hell's that all about? If if the happiness, if this person is what makes you happy, then why is it that they also make you unhappy? Well, the, the truth is, they don't make you happy or unhappy. The the happiness and the unhappiness of any situation, the suffering or lack thereof, the suffering or joy, is all in your interpretation and your response to the situation. It's really in that you say yes to it. So you can have a good time picking up dog shit with your friends. Go around the neighborhood picking up dog shit and laughing and and having a good time, having a beer and having a good time with your friends, picking up dog shit around the neighborhood. You could and I challenge whoever hears this, if you're up to it, I challenge you to do something like that. I challenge you to take a task that you traditionally don't prefer doing and not take that preference or that that attitude towards it and just do it. And there are lots of things which we feel obligated to do and which we do on a daily basis, which are which are practical and perhaps we feel obligated because they're practical, not necessary, but they're practical, but we don't enjoy them. And we suffer over the fact that we don't enjoy these activities, but we feel a sense of obligation to do them to maintain our situations. So I challenge you to take the same approach to whichever whichever situation is in your life that you feel you have an energetic blockage towards or which your your physiology is saying no to, which is probably a lot. 
see what's going on here. Yeah, definitely uh, gonna make a Yui and a pop a Yui. So I'm not dealing with that traffic. <laughs> Anyhow, so I challenge you to discover this for yourself. Don't don't just listen to to things and and, and not experiment with them yourself, especially with regards to non-duality. Non-duality is a very active and a very personal teaching. It's not really a teaching, but it's the best we can do. Uh, non-duality is a very active and a very personal. You have to get involved with it. You can't just listen to to non-dual teachers and non-dual presenters and expect that to enlighten you. Although, over here, a good deal of, quote, my awakening, it's not mine anymore, <laughs> a good deal of my awakening was listening to Tony Parsons and Jim Newman because they just told me the truth. They just told me the truth as accurately as they could convey it, and it was just obvious in my experience at that point. Um, but... There's also this active participating aspect of non-duality in which you take the personal psychology and take the personal self and you integrate it. You, you as Rupert Spira, Spira, Spiral uh, calls it uh, colonizing your entire experience with the non-dual understanding, with the non-dual realization. You can have a you can have an awakening and again not be clear. You can be awake, spiritually awake, and be confused as all hell about it. As a matter of fact, most people who have a spiritual awakening have no idea what the hell just happened to them. It's like their entire world got sh twisted inside out. Ramana Maharshi woke up at, at 14, 15 years old, and he went off into the mountains. He was like, I don't know, I don't know anything anymore. I don't know what's going on. But what people are doing. The, the 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 culture I'm in is not is not the real world is not the totality of the real world and so he had to go into he had to go into nature he had to go back into the simplicity of nature because obviously the complexity of our culture is really the only thing that keeps us from the non-dual perspective anyway but the thing is you want to have your cake and eat it too you want to be in the world but not of it so you want to be able to walk in this world and appear much like everyone else and play the game of culture, but inwardly you know that, that the, the cultural reality that we live in is not real. It's not ultimately real. It's just a perspective. It's a culture. Um, so when Ramana Maharshi had his awakening, he went off alone pretty much into the mountains and developed self-inquiry I guess I don't know if he was really the first human being to self-inquire but he definitely popularized it uh, uh, most most self-inquiry teachings now are based on the groundwork that Ramana Maharshi laid out the framework that Ramana Maharshi laid out which is questioning the very nature of the I who experiences everything that the the that happens in the human experience. Who is that I? Are you sure you know what it is? Um, and I'm going to do 
my own inquiry meditations in this podcast and you're going to enjoy those look fireworks I don't know if you can hear those So, again, with regards to Ramana Maharshi's uh, awakening, and I do want to kind of tell the story, at least as I remember it. I I read it so very long ago, so I know I'm going to muddle up some details, and I know that wherever I read it from probably didn't have all the details, and it it probably isn't completely accurate, but it's as close as I can get. And it doesn't doesn't even matter because the, the, the process itself is very much, very much in line and very much in connection with what happens when most human beings wake up to true nature. Is Ramana Maharshi suddenly had the the very strong intuition that he was going to die, and this is this is a a very this is a death. What happens is a kind of death, a psychological death. But, I mean, Ramana Maharshi didn't know that he was going to have a psychological death. He just thought, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Same thing with Adya Shanti, actually. Uh, he sort of, I don't know, he went off into the backyard, <laughs> curled up into a ball, and was like, okay, this is it, I'm going to die. I don't know why, but actually what was happening was his psychological identity was being yanked away. I don't know for what reason. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what the universe does or why it does it. And why does it to particular human beings? The spiritual awakening doesn't happen to most human beings. It's actually extraordinarily rare. It's becoming less rare now, but it's extraordinarily rare. This doesn't happen to everyone. So, for whatever reason, uh, there was this sudden impulse, this sudden intuition of, I'm going to die. This is it. This is the end of my life. And in a sense, he was very much right. It is the end of, of that identity and the birth of Ramana Maharshi. Um, and that happened very suddenly. Uh, and you can definitely have sudden awakenings, but those can be pops, generally. Sudden awakenings don't last for most people, I notice is people, and this has happened to my girlfriend too, is she's told me things and I didn't understand the context of them at first, but now having my own awakening, I realized, oh, actually you had a little pop, you had a little glimpse. So once she told me that, um, once she told me that she was sort of cleaning, she was cleaning up her house, um, and suddenly there was this feeling of not doing anything that she wasn't doing the cleaning, she was just watching it. And she felt like she was being pulled out of her body. This is the same thing that happened to Ramana Maharshi, or very similar, very close. And she felt like she, her identity, her attention was being pulled out of her body. And yet the body was still cleaning and still doing things. And she was texting me very nervously too. She was like, babe, I think I'm going to die. I don't know what's happening. This has never happened to me before. I think, I, I think this might be it. And... I didn't have the full context of what was happening. I knew it was probably she was having some kind of spiritual experience because I had been relatively wakeful by that point too. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that she was having like the big one she, and she was, but she kind of, she kind of collapsed back into ego 
I don't think she's had a, another experience like that in a very long time. Um, I felt my engine was annoying. I don't know if you can hear this. And it just sounds terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll let this guy just go. So you can have all sorts of little pops. Little moments of... <gasps> And then immediately you're like, how do I get back there? I had somebody, I said, I had somebody ask me a question on my Reddit page about, about having Satori. Satori is a glimpse. Satori is about the worst thing that can happen to a person. <laughs> it's a glimpse of enlightenment, a momentary glimpse for, I don't know, uh, uh, 10 minutes, an hour, three days, a year. Ooh, this could be a really long Satori. I could be just awake for you know, a few months and then collapse deeply back into ego. Um, my recommendation with that is once you have an awakening, get yourself a teacher like as fast as you can, like as quickly as possible. You need to get context on what's happening to you because if you don't, you're going to collapse back into ego and you're going to think that that was something that you, you achieved and you're going to think, and this is exactly what the person that asked me, um, this is exactly what the person that asked me said to me. He said, the moment it happened to me, or the moment it started to die down, it's so it's so difficult to talk about because awakening doesn't die down. You're already awake. It's the ego that dies, and so when the ego comes back, and so there's a brightness when the ego when the ego sort of diminishes for whatever reason in any particular situation, perhaps stress, perhaps intense activity, exercise, whatever whatever circumstance or just you're cleaning you're cleaning the house you're cleaning the kitchen and suddenly you, there's no one there <laughs> or you're like Tony Parsons you're walking in the park and suddenly there's no one there um, and then Tony comes out the other side of that so from his perspective the awakening died down but from the awakened perspective it was actually that the ego reconstituted itself it picked itself back up and then immediately goes, how do I get that back? <laughs> and the very question of how do I get that back and the pursuit of getting it back is what's keeping it at bay. Is for a moment, you were effortless. For a moment, awakening is timeless. So you can say a moment, you can say a day, you can say a year. It all feels like the same moment when, when you're awake. Um, when you're awake in a human experience, I should say. I mean... That, that's how animals live. This isn't a special perspective. Enlightenment isn't special at all. It's so ordinary. Anim, animals don't have a sense of time. Not really. They don't, they don't pay attention to what day it is. They don't have a concept of that. They don't have a concept of what time it is. They might have physiological benchmarks. So this is the time when I eat. This is the time when I sleep. This is the time when I throw up in my owner's room. This is the time when I shit in his living room. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun at my dog's expense. I don't mean any of this. Um, so, so the physiology might have benchmarks, but there's no sense of identity of, of, and there's no sense of time either. There's no sense of identity of this is my life and this is the way my life should be. And if, if things don't go my way, then, then that's wrong. And, and, somebody's to somebody's to blame and somebody needs to pay for it because that's again the way the ego responds when its preferences aren't being met is 
it's wrong. My preferences aren't being met. And someone's to blame. And it ain't me. <laughs> the ego never looks at itself for the source of its suffering. It's always looking to project it, quote, outwards. Or what it thinks is external. There's no external and there's no internal. There's just what's happening. What's happening doesn't have an inside or an outside. That's only the ego perspective of this is my internal psyche and that's the external world. I've never found the boundary between the two. I don't know what my psyche is. I've never seen my psyche. All I know of, of this moment is this moment of what's happening. Um, so, so the awakened perspective is so ordinary. Although the, the shift from contracted ego perspective to awaken perspective is can be dramatic and then there can be there can be ecstasy there can be ecstasy in that um in in recognizing true nature and that's and people mistake the ecstasy for the awakened perspective the awakened perspective doesn't mean that you're in a constant state of ecstasy otherwise you wouldn't get anything done and, and, and again, animals are, are as spiritually awake as you are. They are as awake to the present moment as you are. And they're not in a constant state of ecstasy. They get angry. They get sad. They get hungry. They still act in the world. Um, and if they knew what money was, they would, they would strive to make money too. Because they have to take care of their physiology somehow. And the, the best way to take care of your physiology if you're a human being or a sophisticated being isn't by going out and hunting for food. It's by a acquiring currency so that you can buy it. You're acquiring social value so that you can buy it. So if, if animals had the concept of money, they would, they, would, they would work for it and earn it too. It has nothing to do with enlightenment. And again, this is just because I was accused of spiritual materialism um, at some point like last month or so, and it's still sticking in, in my crawl a little bit. <laughs> you got to be conscious of these things. Otherwise, otherwise you project them. I know, I know it's just, it's just something stuck in my crawl. That's what I call it these days when, when there's a little egoic blockage, it's just something stuck in my crawl. Um, belief systems I want to talk about egoic denial and belief systems so I was having a chat with my friend the other day and he's very much stuck in the ego belief system still and he can hear he can hear non-dual uh, uh, teaching very well and one of the things that I'm learning and well, not learning, but relearning and re reawakening to is body language. That's one of the things, and that's that's to do with empathy. Is the way that you the way that you can tell what someone is feeling is by paying attention to their facial expression, their all their unconscious communication or their subconscious communications. The words are what we call conscious communication, and everything else outside of that, which is actually where the communication is really happening. Um, Everything outside of the words is where most of our communication is taking place. So you can tell what mood I'm in if you pay attention to the sound of my voice. You can tell how calm I am. If you were sitting in a room with me, you could tell whether I was calm or uncomfortable. Ouch. I just ran over a little bump and my car is lowered, so that didn't feel good. Um, and you, you can tell a lot just by observing me, even if you if, even if you didn't have any concept of language, 
babies can empathize. For right, right out of the womb, they can empathize. Well, anyway, so one of the things that I'm paying more attention to than ever before is body language, such that, as a matter of fact, sometimes I'm not even paying attention to what people are saying to me. I had a meeting with a, a, a woman, uh, I don't know, probably two days ago, who was trying to sell me uh, some insurance. And I was just taking in her energy. I, I was barely paying attention to what she was saying. Um, and, and she didn't have a problem with it, obviously, because she didn't know, because she, she was taking in my energy. And it, it, we connected at that level. We didn't really connect so much at the verbal linguistic level, although we did there too. But most of the connection that happened, most most any human connection that happens, happens at the level of what our body's doing, what what kind of energy we're giving off and what kind of energy we receive from the other person or or believe the other person is giving off or sense the other person is giving off. So anyway, um, so I'm kind of getting a little, a little snippy with my friend because he's in denial. He's consciously in denial <clears throat> because if you can, if you can stand to hear, and I've sent him talks from Rupert Spear, I've sent him talks from, from Tony Parsons. He's like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, what do you mean? That's this is the most absolutely unbelievable thing that you that that you could possibly realize in your human existence. And oh, that's that's kind of cool. But that's denial. Um, and so I'm talking to him, and I'm speaking to him about his body. Is he's very wise. Um, he's very uh, he's very intelligent, and he's also very wise. And those two things don't always line up. I know people with high IQs who are absolutely fools. Um, and I know people with average IQs or slightly above average IQs with absolutely sage wisdom. It's not about, it's not about intelligence. Wisdom has very, it doesn't line up precisely with intelligence, but I, I don't want to say they're completely not correlated because they definitely are. Um, so this is a very wise person I'm speaking to, but not a very heartful person. He's not in touch with his body. He's not very athletic. Um, He's not very flexible. Uh, his body language, is, he's not very conscious of his body language. Um, and I was speaking to him about fear. I was speaking to him specifically about um, his inability to connect with the people in his situation, like his younger brother. Um, he says he has a hard time connecting with his younger brother. And I'm like, well, that's because you're meeting him at the level of thoughts and you're not meeting him at the level of what he's feeling. You're not empathizing with your brother. Your brother more than, and I've spent time with his brother. His brother more than anything looks up to him and wants to spend time with him. And my friend doesn't really notice that very, very closely or pay attention to that very closely. Um, but I do. I notice. I notice everything that that people feel around me these days. Um, And, and so he sort of he sort of he sort of gravitates towards me because I'm a little more open but his brother isn't social as socially developed as he could be for his age let's put it like that and there's no condemnation here no judgment here these are just observations uh, the way in which we develop socially is by socializing you have to get around people in order to get used to, and 
if you don't have a good relationship with your nuclear family, particularly if you're young and you're, I don't know, getting ready to move out of your house, if you haven't squared away your relationship with your parents, you're going to carry that with you. That's called an energetic blockage. You're going to carry that with you and it's going to color everything else you do because you didn't square away. I never earned dad's approval. I never earned mom's affection. I never, I never earned big brother's uh, attention. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever. So your, your family is a microcosm for how you interact in the world. And if you, if you circumvent, if you circumvent certain familial issues, like for example, uh, uh, earning earning papa's respect let's 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 go with that earning your father's if you don't have the respect of your father you're going to be trying to look for a father figure and and look for an authority for the rest of your life to validate you and you're never going to get it because no one can give that to you besides your father no one can give it to you no one can give you your father's respect besides your father you might have the respect of most authority figures but then at some point you're going to get around your father and you're going to be looking for approval and you're not going to get it because that's not how it works. If you want to earn the respect of your father, you have to respect yourself. Um, and again, with regards to this guy's brother, if if he wants if he wants a good relationship with his brother, he's got to he's got to relate to his brother more. Got to actually sit down and spend time with him. So that's what he's that's all he's looking for and so his behavior he he kind of again he's not very socially developed so he may lash out in situations where it's not necessary or he may talk way too damn much or he may do this that or the other it's because he doesn't have someone to practice with he doesn't have someone to bounce his energy off of in the house and so then that probably colors the way he goes out and interacts in the world the little brothers in high school uh, that probably colors the way he goes out and interacts with in the world. It inter interacts with his peers in high school. Interacts with everyone because he doesn't he doesn't have that connection with his brother. He doesn't have that. That's the closest male role model that he has. And if you don't have that squared away, then you're it's going to color everything else. Um, so anyway. This is all going back to belief systems. So I'm telling him all of this and he's like I don't I don't need I don't need to I don't need anyone's approval. I don't need I don't need my parents' approval. I don't need my brother's approval. I don't need this, that, the other. And I'm like, yeah, but you still want it. And he's like, no, I don't want it. And I'm paying attention to his body language. I don't give a shit what he's saying. I'm paying attention to his body language. And when he talks like that, I don't need anyone's approval. I don't need this, that, the other. I'm seeing his body swaying back and forth like a, like a four-year-old child. Like someone who's lying and knows they're lying. That's what a child does is they sway back and forth. And we were sitting on a bench and he was just rocking back and forth on the bench. And I'm perfectly still and I'm just observing it. And I actually called him out on it. And that's what made him still. But then he started rocking back and forth again anyway. Um, so getting stuck in a belief system, you can actually notice people's belief systems and when they're in a belief system based on the repetitive motions they make. So when you're in a belief system, 
you're going to make a repetitive motion because you're 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 reaffirming your belief to yourself. I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone's approval. I don't need to earn my father's approval. I don't need to connect with my brother. He can figure it out on his own. This, that, the other. All these things. And look, I'm not condemning him. I love this guy, but he was on some bullshit. <laughs> he was on some bullshit. Um, it's not true that you. Okay, you literally don't need it, but you want it, and your heart wants it, and your body is telling you that your heart wants it, and you're believing your mind, you're believing what your mind says, because I don't know, maybe there's a lot of tension in that household, in his particular his particular home situation. Um, so you can notice when someone's caught up in their mind by how their body's behaving. And also another thing I was doing with him was, again, sharing the non-dual perspective and how you, what you really need to do is get in touch with what your body's doing because that's, 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 where the, that's where the insight lies. It doesn't lie in your mind. Your mind is secondary. Your body is what, what was here first, is what was born first, it was, is what was developed first. The psyche is something that was tacked on later. And it's something you kind of inherited from your environment. You didn't develop yourself. You didn't say, I'm going to choose to think a certain way and feel a certain way about myself and, and, and walk in the world a certain way. It's just, it's something you picked up. These are things you pick up. But when you believe in your psyche only and you don't pay attention to your body, then you suffer because there's a disconnect there. So your mind has preferences and then your body has actions. And so if your body's actions aren't in line with your mind's preferences, then you suffer. And the way to fix that isn't by making your body do what your mind thinks you should be doing. It's getting your body, it's getting your mind, it's getting your thoughts back in line with what your body's natural inclination is. It's not, it's not denying the desires of the heart. The desires of the psyche are always self-serving. Desires of the heart, the desires of the physiology is to see everyone smile. I don't care who you are. You are happiest when other people around you are happy. That's just that's just the way it is. Um, so uh, another thing that that was happening in our little our little wisdom and love session. That's what I call it when I have these when I have these chats with people where. I might, I might explicitly, I might explicitly provide you with a non-dual perspective, or I might just, I might just use it to permeate your relative situation. Is I'm bringing the non-dual perspective to your relative situation, um, and that's that's by paying attention to your body language. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to your thoughts or what you're thinking or what you're saying or what you think about a situation. I'm paying attention to how you move, your energy, the kind of energy you're manifesting. So. Another thing that I noticed he was doing is whenever I said something that was profound, at least with regards to non-duality, something that was sharp, is he was listening while I was talking, but then he tried to rationalize it. And that's what all of us are doing with regards to non-duality and why we feel like we don't get it yet. Why don't I get non-duality? I hear it. I hear it when my teacher speaks. I hear it on YouTube when when I'm listening to present pre, pre, presentations. Um, I hear it, but then I, I I lose it. And this is that got it, lost it thing that, that some of us are going through. And that's just because you're trying to rationalize it. And I watched it happen in real time for the first time ever with my friend. 
um, is I'm I'm sharing the non-dual perspective with him and how your body cannot possibly be separate from from the totality of existence. So the I, the the sense of separation is an illusion, and that makes sense. That that both 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 that makes sense logically, and also it's obvious. It's obvious. Uh, in your immediate experience that your body is not separate from what's happening um, and he was listening while I was talking but then I watched him lean forward narrow his eyes kind of look around trying to think about it trying to understand trying to comprehend it because he's so used to encountering things mind first again he's a wise guy I don't mean a wise guy like, oh, 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 you got a wise guy here. I I mean like a wise human being. It's wise beyond his years. Um, But not very heartful and not very connected to the body. That's what I mean by the heart anyway, is the body, the the needs of the body. That's what I define as the heart because the body is not separate from everything else. So if you get in touch with your body, then you can empathize with everyone else at almost any level at almost any level because your body is the gateway to your physical experience your sensory experience so that's the way in which you learn to empathize by getting in touch with your own body and then you know what other people's you know what other people are thinking now you've always wanted to know what other people thought about you but you have something much better which is how people feel about you and when you get in touch with your own feeling nature, then it becomes intrinsic. You automatically know how people feel about you. Because you're in touch with, you lead with your feeling nature. And he was trying to rationalize this. As, as he was understanding what I was saying. And I was like, okay, well, you need to learn to lead with your feeling nature more. You need to learn to take action first. And then rationalize and come up with a plan second. Because that's what happens anyway. That's what happens anyway. We don't we don't have a rea- we don't think something and then have an emotional reaction to it. The emotional reaction comes for of course the ego doesn't know this. The ego doesn't recognize this, but you can recognize this. You are more than just the ego. You can recognize this. Um, is that whenever we have a response, a reaction to something, the body is what lights up first and then we start th- and then we start thinking we start interpreting what our body's doing he he has the backwards perspective or not the bad i would say this the awakened perspective is backwards from what most people think their reality is is most people think i think first and then i act second and that's not true at all that's never true Activity happens first. Reactions happens first. Emotions happen first. They're the prime. They're the primal ways in which you respond. That's what developed first in the physiology in the first place. I mean, where where is the where are the thoughts of a tiger? A, th- a tiger isn't thinking of anything. It's just reacting energetically, and also it has emotions. It has, yeah, I, w- I would call these like primal emotions. So thoughts are always second. They're always the servants of emotions. They're always the servants of the body. Um, and he was hearing that and trying to understand it with thinking. <laughs> and that's never going to work. You're never going to understand non-duality from a logical perspective because it's not logical. 
Logical means linear. It means it follows a sequence. And what we're talking about is that there is no sequence. Sequence requires time, requires a past, present, and future. You don't experience a past, present, and future. You only experience this moment. And non-duality is only about your direct experience. It's not about what you think about your experience. Too many of us are caught up in what we think about our experience rather than our experience itself. And that's where the liberation is, is in, get, is in getting in touch with your experience. And the way you do that is with the body. Sadhguru, and I don't, I don't know how awake Sadhguru is. It's, it, he has sort of a grandiose air about his, his spirituality. And, and that sort of ticks me off a little bit. But he said something very wise in one of his talks once I listened to it. He said, when you learn the tricks of the, when you learn the, tricks of the body, then, then everything, up, everything else opens up effortlessly. He said, get in touch with your body. Be present with everything your body, with every motion your body is doing for a whole 24 hours and you'll be enlightened. You'll be enlightened. You'll be, you'll be such a graceful human being that people will be bowing at your feet. I mean, that's a little bit ex ex excessive, but only a little bit. When you get in touch with your feeling nature, when you get in touch with your physiology, you learn the tricks of the body, of your body, it opens the whole world up to you. Today I had a young lady, a young lady around my age, open a door for me. I'm a dude. And this was a girl, and I could tell she was attracted to me because obviously you can tell that when you know the tricks of your own body, you know when someone is expressing attraction towards you. And I, I, don't, I can't imagine that that, that girl would have just approached anyone and, and held open the door for them. I've never had anyone hold open a door for me, period, let alone a, a very pretty girl. Um, and I don't know why, but that's just the, that's the grace uh, of the awakened male presence is people just feel this sudden urge to cater to you. That's what I mean by by getting in touch with the body and, and being graceful is people feel this urge to get to, to cater to your needs and oh this is this is something about this human being is just so attractive so magnetic I just want I want to to serve them but it's not uh, this isn't me coming from an ego perspective of oh yes I'm, I'm the best now I'm enlightened and everyone serves my needs and my whims and my wishes because that's absolutely not true that doesn't happen but what happens more and more often is people is first of all me connecting with people at the level of the heart and people knowing what I want out of a situation without me having to say it and providing me with it I'm not doing that I'm not doing anything <laughs> I'm just I'm just chilling wherever I am really if I if I go out if I you know go out uh, to a lounge or something I'm just chilling I, I'm not I'm not trying to get something out of the situation although if I have a slight preference or if I want to know something or if I something like that it's almost like people know it before I do and they meet they meet the need before I do and it, it sounds like I'm bragging and maybe I am just a little bit but I'm just reporting what seems to be happening in this human experience now um I had, I had a very pretty girl open a door for me today and I I I've never had that happen before. I've never had almost anyone uh, 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 go out of their way to open a door. I've had people like, I'm walking behind you and then you hold open the door. That's sort of like a polite thing to do and you just, you don't think twice of it. But this girl literally got out of her way. She was in line for something and I mean, she was last in line anyway. Um, and she got out of her way and opened the door. 
and I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't do I didn't do anything to earn that. That was the first time we'd ever made eye contact or anything like that at all. Um, so these are these are the blessings of of being in touch with your feeling and your physical nature. Is people can feel what you want, and they they're more than happy to empathize with you and 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 work with you and even cater to you a little bit. When you when you connect with people at the level of emotions, they will do almost anything for you. Alrighty, and that's going to do it for now, everyone. I do very much hope you enjoyed. Thanks so much for listening. And if you did enjoy, do remember that what you attend to, you amplify. So do amplify this podcast with your attention and the attention of those around you. Share it with the people you like. Share with the people you don't like. Share it with the people who you think could use it. Um, and do follow me on Twitter, Patreon, and Reddit, all at the name Aja Shanti. And I will see you guys next time. Bye.